When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, let's welcome in former Minnesota Viking quarterback, Gus Farratt. What's going on, Gus? How are you? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you guys doing? We are doing awesome. So I see that your podcast, Huddle Up with Gus, is getting A-listers. We can't even get these great of guests on the show. You had Isaac Bruce on. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Like all this, You're already, Gus, you just started doing this not that long ago, and you're already better at it than we are. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, <laughs> but I, I've been lucky. I got, I got somebody who helps me who's relentless and... And uh, she just doesn't take no for an answer, so every guest just has to say yes. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I've listened to a few episodes, and you're doing a great job with Huddle Up with Gus, so I suggest people find it. Um, And Isaac Bruce, Hall of Famer now. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about this Hall of Fame class for me, Gus, is that these are now players that I watched as like a teenager into college, which sort of makes me feel old. I know you're older than I am, but I'm like, wait, I was a grown up when I was watching that guy play. This feels weird. He's in the Hall of Fame. But uh, you played against a lot of these guys or with a lot of these guys who are going to the Hall of Fame. Troy Palomalu, Zach Thomas, Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce. Uh, what what was your feeling when they announced the Hall of Fame class? No, I love it. I love that these guys, you know, have worked so hard in their career. And like you said, I've got to play with a few of them. Uh, I've got to play against most of them. Um, you know, and it's just been so nice to see that their hard work has paid off by the ultimate uh, prize of being able to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Isaac is a great person. Like you said, I've had him on my podcast. I played with Steve Hutchinson played against Troy Palomalu. I live here in Pittsburgh, so I hear about him all the time. And, uh, you know, it's just been, it's been great. I was really happy for all the, all the people that were selected. So I said, Zach Thomas, he didn't make it this year. I think he will eventually. Right. For sure. Uh, yeah, you, you I played a little so. bit with Zach, uh, right? Know, right. Yeah. I played with Zach in, in Miami. Uh, you know, I've had Henry Ellard on who, uh, who I played with for a long time with the Redskins. Uh, you know, he was up for the hall of fame this year, didn't make it, but, uh, you know, it, it's a very tough thing, and I'm glad I'm not a voter because <laughs> yes, those people sure. that have to vote for those last five guys, I think that's a very difficult thing. 
Do you have any Troy Polamalu stories about playing against him? Because he was one of my favorite players of all time to watch play football. His hair coming flying up to the line of scrimmage, jumping over, timing the snap count, making plays. Uh, him going in was kind of uh, really cool to see and, and, and obvious that he should be in. But for me, he was one of the most fun players of an entire era of football. Right, and I, I truly believe that as well. You know, he was um, – we used to – when I coached in high school after I finished playing, we used to put a Troy Polamalu tape up <laughs> of what you do correctly and how to tackle incorrectly. And Troy would just go 100 miles an hour no matter where he was, and sometimes it worked out to his benefit and sometimes it didn't. And uh, it was actually a really, really good teaching tape <laughs> on teaching kids how to break down and tackle because, as you know, Troy was a maniac out there and, and just played with uh, relentless pursuit, and which was an, an unbelievable to watch, but never fun to play against. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Talking to former Viking quarterback Gus Farad here. So I tweeted out that we invited you on the show and didn't even tell you what we were going to talk about. And you said yes, which is great. So that means I could throw anything I want at you, Gus. And the Vikings, the Vikings have a very interesting quarterback situation here with Kirk Cousins. He's going into the final year of his career. And the discussion here is, after watching Mahomes win the Super Bowl, can you win with someone who isn't really mobile? And I'm not insulting you here, Gus, but you weren't the most mobile quarterback I ever saw. But you won a lot of games in the NFL. And I, and I wonder what you think about when you watch today's game and, and whether you think you can win with a quarterback who isn't running around and making plays the way Patrick Mahomes is. Well, obviously you can. Uh, many Super Bowls have been won with quarterbacks like that. Um, you know, uh, you just go through the list how many guys were super mobile. And I think it all comes down to the offense that they're in. Uh, you know, obviously Andy Reid saw that Patrick Mahomes' ability in and out of the pocket, and nobody really knew that when he was drafted. But Andy's placated to his strengths really well and said, you know, be a playmaker. I'm going to call these plays. But a lot of his plays come outside of the framework of what was designed. And, uh, you know, when you think about quarterbacks that aren't mobile, that sit in the pocket, you know, when you go back, and I think if you look at most of the quarterbacks that were the top 100 quarterbacks, you know, players of all times, if you go through that list, probably the most mobile one out of all of them was Favre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Elway, um, you know, Elway, pretty mobile as well. Pretty, but not like, but not like a Patrick Mahomes. Right. Yeah. For sure. You know, uh, or you know, or even uh, Aaron Rodgers, like he is now with the Green Bay Packers. I think it's it's coaches are doing a good job of saying. Okay, this is how I believe an offense should be run, but then they're willing to change their beliefs a little bit to the talent they have mm-hmm. because to go and get the proper quarterback for their system, I think that's very rare anymore um, because college and the way they're coached in high school and with all the RPOs and the run action and the play action and everything, it's all different now compared to the way it was in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and I also think with uh, how – college is still very different from the NFL. You see someone like Mahomes having success sitting out for a year, and that's really helpful. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the Cousins situation, Gus, I wrote for our website today about how it's not 
just as easy as the Mahomes model where you let Alex Smith go and just draft someone because they don't all become Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes they become Christian Ponder and they don't work out and kind of sink your franchise. So uh, how do you think that the Vikings will make this decision on Cousins? He had such a good year this year, and they bring back Gary Kubiak. It's the perfect offensive fit, I think, for Kirk Cousins, but they have a salary cap in this league, Gus, and it makes things pretty interesting. Well, it really does. Uh, you know, I think Kurt's going to be their quarterback, obviously, and I think that if you put him in the right situations, uh, obviously you have a great receiver, you have a good tight end, you have a, uh, run, a great running back. Um, uh, I'm not sure how the line situation is going to be this year, uh, you know, but you got to have all those pieces together. And, and you know, is Kurt better in the shotgun every play or is he better under center uh, with, with play action and things like that? So I think they're going to really go back and look at, like, everything that, that Kurt went through this year and find out, okay, where is he highly successful? Where did um, he struggle a little bit? And let's try to stay in those situations that where we can put him in that he's going to be highly successful. Um, you know, and, and he's going to be the Vikings quarterback, and I'm not sure how long that's going to be, but I know next year for sure. And if there's anybody that can go out and win with a quarterback um, that is like Kirk Cousins, it's Gary Kubiak. Yeah, I wanted that was exactly where I was going with my next follow up because you played for Kubiak and it's such a great season to look at. Uh, Jonathan knows I like to go through old games and, and things like that on YouTube and get down the rabbit hole. And the 2000 Denver Broncos, you start six games and it ends up being the number two scoring offense in the entire NFL with Gary Kubiak. And that's the story of the man's whole career is, hey, Matt Schaub, he's a second-round draft pick and somebody's backup. Oh, and now he's thrown for 4,000 yards. Or Brian Greasy was a guy who was a third-round draft pick, and he was really good there. And Jake Plummer revitalized his career. Like, What is it about Kubiak that helps quarterbacks so much? I mean, is it just the scheme? Is it how he teaches it? Because his history is long enough to say, okay, this guy has a legitimate impact on quarterbacks. Well, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's his, his time coming as a player, as a uh, somebody who played in the NFL for a long time and, and been in those meetings as a player and not a coach, and then making that switch to coach and understanding what players are seeing and what they're going through and not putting uh, a pressure on. I'll just give a quick story. When I was playing for the Redskins and North Turner was my head coach, you know, there was a, a point where North says, well, that guy was wide open. Why didn't you throw it? I said, well, I couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. He said, what do you mean you couldn't see him? He's wide open throwing the ball. Well, and I said, well, you're looking at it from the press box. I'm looking at it from behind a line of scrimmage of everybody that's 320 pounds. And, and there were two people standing right in front of me. And, and I didn't want to make that throw because I didn't know if there was a linebacker running. You know, you just can't see things sometimes. And uh, it was just one of those times where I just knew that it may not have been a safe throw. And he said, well, you got to trust it and let it go. Well, you know where Coobs was a little different. Coobs was saying, okay, well, the next time, you know, let's sidestep, let's move, let's do these things that, that you can see it. You know, instead of being so critical on something that, that I'm seeing and I'm telling you how I, how I think and how I feel, Coobs was really good about saying, okay, I understand it completely. Let's try to do a little bit different next time. And, you know, when that situation comes up again, move your feet, do these things in a pocket. And then uh, I think he was just good at understanding the mindset of a quarterback in in game situations. I've been thinking about that very subject a lot with 
Kubiak and even with Kirk Cousins, because I think John D. Filippo, when he was here as the offensive coordinator, had a certain way that he wanted to do it. And he had not played at a high level like Gary Kubiak, where he was, you know, actually out there playing for the Denver Broncos and being John Elway's backup. Um, and, and I'm not sure that those guys were on the same page very often. How important is it when you're working with your offensive coordinator or even your quarterback's coach? Not that they necessarily played, but that they're a, a good communicator, I, I think, because that's what everyone seems to say about Gary Kubiak, and I think that's part of the reason why Kirk Cousins was able to take his game to another level this year. Well, I, I agree with that, and sometimes uh, uh, an offensive coach is is so smart, and they understand their scheme and their their what they're running so well. They say, "Okay, we're getting cover three; the ball should go right here." And then all of a sudden, it doesn't go there, and the coach is saying, "Well, why didn't you throw it there? Because it should have went there." That's what this play was exactly written down and made for and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen and they're saying well i don't understand why you didn't throw it right and instead of saying okay what did you see why didn't you throw it let's let's figure it out and Mm -hmm. okay you made a great throw to your second read which was just as good okay and so some i think sometimes coordinators get caught up in saying this is the perfect throw and i don't think kubiak really ever got caught up in that as much and he understood that mental side of it from a quarterback's aspect that there was something that scared you off that first read or second read. Let's get it to the check down. And, and uh, you know, I think he understood that mindset a little bit more. I also wanted to say, Gus, that if you're suggesting that it's wrong for people up in the press box to point out wide-open receivers and say, why didn't the quarterback throw it, then I just disagree as a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at some point you should trade places with a quarterback. Nope. And then let us. Hard pass. It, and we'll see how you feel. No, I saw Nick Bosa play in the Super Bowl. I was going to say, nope, I'm going to leave that to you. Some of the defensive ends you played against uh, when you were in the league. No, nah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna let you have that. Uh, I did want to. Well, I, I, I tell the story all the time about Jared Allen is that when, you know, he was a great defensive end, obviously, for the Vikings. We're playing together at the Vikings, and, and we have our groups that we run with, quarterbacks, running backs, you know, tight ends. We all kind of ran together. Um, you know, the receivers ran together, and then it was kind of like defensive ends, linebackers. And Jared Allen was the only defensive end or player I've ever seen run with the receivers. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's just kind of an athlete he was and how fast he was and just could motor. And the only other player as a quarterback I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick run with them all the time. I don't know why. Because <laughs> Fitz is the Ryan best, that's some- why. <laughs> yeah. Uh that's that's great. I mean that's a great story because you know I covered Daniel Hunter and every time I talked to him in the locker room like I can't believe that you exist. Like just he's 6 foot 5 and 270 pounds and it's just all complete muscle and someone has to block this man. And so I'm going to yeah, I'm going to leave the the actual quarterbacking to the quarterbacking and the second guessing to me. Um but we do have this discussion all the time Gus about what a normal person who is not a pro athlete could actually do on the football field. Like could I throw a swing pass or could I catch a punt if I called fair catch really early? And I think the answer is probably that I couldn't do any of it. I think I could give you one thing you probably could do is, is be a holder for kicks. Oh, don't tell so Sage Rosenfels that. Sage is super proud of how good of a holder he was. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a holder my whole career as well because when I was a rookie and I was a seventh-round draft pick and they drafted Heath Schuler number one, mm-hmm. uh, Camp Cameron came up and said, hey, the more you can do, the longer you're going to be in this league. And so I was a holder for my whole career. And, uh, you know, it's true. And, you know, you think it's very easy, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of prep. And um, I'm not sure how many people could just come right off the street and do that even. 
And that's probably the easiest thing you can come up with. Well, yeah, I think I'll just keep doing this because that's that's a lot easier than any of that. Um, yeah, Gus, let me ask you what you see as a quarterback when you watch Patrick Mahomes. Because as, as a um, journalist, as a fan of football, I have never seen anything quite like it. Somebody where it's third and 15 and you think, oh, this should be fine. Usually third and 15 for quarterbacks is this isn't going to happen unless the guy does something really special. And he went something like 13 for 17 in third and 15 or more this year, which is just nuts. Um, so what's the thing that impresses you the most? I just think it's a combination. He has a little bit of everything. You know, he has the smarts of the game. He understands what Coach Reed is looking for. And he also understands that it's okay that if he comes off a play early because he feels a little pressure that he's not going to get in trouble because he didn't go through his progression properly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Reed does an amazing job of giving him confidence to break down a play and, and, and just go out and play some backyard football because he knows Patrick's strengths are throwing from different platforms and, and improvising. But also I think what is amazing is that he can do that. But also if you had to have him – sit in the pocket and go through his reads one, two, three, every time he could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a great leader watching him play. Uh, you know, you don't see that. I'm um, down in the dump stuff. The only time I ever saw that was really when he hurt his knee, um, that he really got upset yeah. and, you know, he had that look on his face, but other than that, he's been a great leader. He's been a great player on the field, good in the huddle, I mean, now with the NFL, you can hear everything they're talking about and how he's relating to the other players. And the game that really sold that for me um, and how how mature he is is when I watched um, the Packers play the 49ers. And not, I know Patrick wasn't in that game, but I watched Aaron Rodgers, who, who's a, a, an extremely good quarterback, mm-hmm. probably a Hall of Famer, but just didn't have that same leadership. I saw that game, and there was no urgency. There was no, like, uh, hey, let's go, you know, go and talk to the guys, get them up. And you see Patrick doing that, and that's something that not everyone has, and I think he does a great job of that, but he also does a great job of improvising out in the field, and he does a great job of of running the plays exactly how they should be. So he has a great mix of of everything, and I think um, he bakes a great cake because if he was short one ingredient – he wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, for sure. That's a great way to put it. Well, I, you know what I liked about it was that he really got beat up in that game, too. I mean, Nick Bosa had double-digit pressures, and there were a couple times where he ran and took shots, and he just kept going. Like They strip-sacked him at one point, and it would have been easy, I think, to get flustered, or even what we saw from Kirk Cousins in the playoff game, where he was in a similar situation, and... There were a lot of times where it was like, no, I'm just taking the sack. Uh, you know, and, and Mahomes is on a different level than him, but I also loved his mentality that I, I had a defensive player tell me once that what was hard about playing against Roethlisberger is he could throw four picks in the game, but you were still afraid because he was never going to stop and he was always going to compete hard. And to be down 10 in the Super Bowl with 100 million people watching and you're getting whooped for the most part for the entire game and stay calm and continue to just battle – I thought really said a lot about him as a person as much as a quarterback. Yeah, no, I agree with that for three quarters. He didn't look like himself, was missing some throws, low, high, uh, you know, just wasn't doing things that he naturally naturally does. And he just has this innate ability that when the chips are against him, he finds a way, you know. Um, and uh, he could just do things that, that we haven't seen in a long time out in the field. Most guys get down, it's like, 
how are we going to come back? And even the sideline takes on his demeanor. Mm-hmm. Those guys all say, don't give up. We're not giving up. We can go score seven touchdowns on uh, in a row on every drive if we want to. And uh, I think that comes from the coaching staff, whole way down to the equipment guys. You know, everybody believes that they're going to win no matter what. Now, it may not turn out that way, but they're going to give you everything they have until the end of the game. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Well, he's a famous podcaster first, the former NFL quarterback second, Gus Verhat. Um, check, <laughs> check out Huddle Up. You know what I do? This is just, I'm, I'm weird, Gus, but I was going through the 96 Redskins team where you, you know, went nine and seven with them. And I was just finding it funny about how there's sometimes these really good teams that we just forget about. You made the Pro Bowl for that year. And they were one of the best offenses in the NFL. And I love stumbling on a team that I had really no recollection of. And here you are coming up and being the starter and and producing this great season. And that's why I love connecting with you and Sage, where you guys end up on a lot of teams and know a lot of people and learn a lot about the game and always bring great analysis. Do you remember the 96 team? Oh, very well. You know, that was a great team. Uh, We were very close. I think we went... um, we went seven and one to start the season, and and uh, you know we went. Uh, I think we were uh, at the end of the year. I think we were two and in the second half of the season, we only won two games, so I ended up nine and six or nine and seven. But it was just such a a crazy year because we knew we were good. We had a good defense. We had a good offense, and uh, we, we you know our special teams let us down a little bit, missing some kicks. But, uh, you know, we were just right on the cusp, and we needed – I think if we would have got in the playoffs, we could have really done some da- damage. But at that point, uh, you know, the Cowboys were pretty good, and it was it was just hard to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that team is – you lost overtime games. You lost the game by one point against Arizona. It's like those – I like to watch the uh, NFL Films recaps where they have the big voice guy, and he goes through the season, and they sort of skip over it, but – I think it's it's fun to look back at a season like that and go, wow, this team was like randomly really good, but didn't make the playoffs. Had all these great players, Brian Mitchell and Terry Allen. So anyway, I just wanted to ask you about that because it was on my mind. Gus, always great to catch up with you. Super fun to talk football. And I love that you will answer and come on the show even when we don't tell you what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty well-rounded. I played for seven teams, so <laughs> most questions I've answered before. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. Anytime, that's right. You, I'd love to come on, so uh, thank you. All right, well, we will definitely take you up on that. Thanks a lot, Gus. We'll talk soon. All right, I appreciate it. And just one last thing, Merrill Hodge will be on next week on Huddle Up with Gus. So join us next week on Radio.com and listen to Huddle Up with Gus because we got the great Merrill Hodge coming on. Yes, you are a media member now. You're promoting yourself, Gus. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> I the best. <laughs> All right, Gus, take care, man. Thank you. Gus Pratt, Huddle Up with Gus is his podcast, and I'm telling you, he's really good at it. Like, as you could tell there, analyzing football. And, um, well, I need his guest booker, I guess, Jonathan. I'm not looking at you or anything. Just Sounds saying. like you are, but that's Isaac okay. Bruce. It, it helps when they played together. It's like how we got mm-hmm. Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer is not answering your text, but he is answering Alex Boone's text, yeah. for example. Sam Bradford's so. not answering my text. No, no. Yeah. That's the only interview Sam Bradford has done at all, I think. I, I think, think so, yeah. I since since up, his yeah. retirement, this is the only interview he's done. So, uh, And that was definitely because of Alex. All right, Eric Eager's coming up next. And Eric has got to be super jealous that we just talked to Gus Farad because he is also a journeyman enthusiast. And I... <laughs> 
I love asking guys about teams they used to play for because there's always something in there. Like he took a little jab at the kicker. It's just like there's always something that happened throughout a football season that you wouldn't know or that was interesting. And 96 Washington football squad was a fascinating one. They were eighth in points, 13th in points against and missed the playoffs. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever. All right. Eric Eager's coming up next. It's Purple Daily on Score North. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.